0: Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to continue our series, I Love Sundays. We are just learning to value, revisiting the spiritual principles of why it's important that we corporately worship together. Now, I know that there are people that are disabled and they're homebound and illness or work schedules that do not always permit them to be here on a Sunday to worship. And we get that. And and I understand that there are uh that, that we've learned and it's a blessing that God is with us everywhere we go, that you can pray anywhere, in your home, in your car, at work, at school. You you don't have to be in a building and be at a right address or be in a particular place. God's with us at all times everywhere. We can pray and worship anywhere. So that being true, and it is, and it's wonderful, then what makes this so significant? Is it more than just a ritual? Is it more than just uh, the, the thing a Christian does? Why? Why is this so important? And what are we learning about this? Well, let's go back to these original verses, Hebrews 10. And let's look at verses 24 and 25. This is what we find. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. Toward what? Love and good deeds. How do we do that? Verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some Or in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I shared with you the background, the setting, the timing of this book of scripture, when it was written and to whom it was written to. And we find that these believers were under incredible persecution at this time. Now, right now in America, uh, persecution for us is maybe somebody laughed at you because you Told them I'm a Christian or they disagreed with you or you felt, uh, you know, someone kind of alienated you or looked down on you because of your faith or, or, or tried to make you feel inferior. And, and we deal with that. However, we see this escalating in, in some other areas, but nothing to compare with what these people were dealing with. And amazingly, what Paul says to them, if he is the writer of the Hebrews, there are different opinions about who God used as a scribe. We know it's God's word. And the writer says to them that whatever you do, even in this moment of persecution where you're risking imprisonment and maybe the loss of your life, if you're recognized as a believer, he said, coming together is so important that please, whatever, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. There's something about meeting together that encourages each other. There's something about meeting together that honors God. There's there's a very important principle and principles that we've been studying. Today I want to just take this message. I'll continue next week with this series, but today I want us to look at this from a very current moment and where we are in our culture. I just felt the Holy Spirit direct me as I prayed and studied this week to uh to, to give us a message as a as a church and and to speak to where we are you know right now we we are facing decisions laws uh and 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 this, that are being made affecting us that we never thought we would deal with we we see the morals and the ethics of of our nation just crumbling they're not eroding they're crumbling away at this moment we we are uh gripped with things like Transgender restroom privileges and all these kinds of things that what do we do in this time? You know, we live in a very uh, connected culture through social media today. I've read some great uh, comments uh, from pastors and others, some of our own about the current situation. But then there's the hysteria. There's the anger, there's the ranting, there's the, you know, there's the extremists. I'm going to shoot somebody, you know, you know all this, this stuff. And, and we, we come off missing our moment. And what I want to share with us today is that God is not caught off guard by where the culture of America is. It doesn't mean He approves it. Doesn't mean He wants it. But I want you to know He's not caught off guard. And as the family of God, I want to tell you, just like in Hebrews 10, Our public, corporate meeting, worshiping, standing together has never been more important than it is right now. There must be visible, tangible expressions of the kingdom of God. Places, points, a movement of God's spirit. Doors for what God's will is in heaven to become God's will on earth. An encouraging of God's people. We are walking through time that are difficult, and we hear so many different voices. So I want to just bring a direct word of strength, of focus, of direction about who we are and how we live in times like this. We, we have a great opportunity to make an impact, and yet we're facing a lot of reactionary voices and reactionary moments. And, and, and I have to admit with, to you, let me say this uh, so you'll understand, you know, I'm not St. George, I'm just Pastor George. And, and, and when I was confronted with the thought of, of a, you know, I have a wife, I have two daughters, I have six granddaughters. And, and when when I think about, uh, some person, some male walking in a public restroom where my family is, then I gotta be honest with you. My first thought is, that guy just made the worst mistake of his life. If I was there, that would have been a bad mistake for him. Because he would have exited that restroom very quickly. I would have laid hands on him, if you understand. <laughs> but then I have to tell you this. The Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And said, George Sawyer, there's more to you than that. Because anybody can grab a guy by the collar and throw him out in the hall. But there's something more to us. I want you to hear me today. I got your attention now, do There's something more to us. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we are pacifist about things like that of course we protect our families and do the things that are right certainly certainly but that's not all we are there's more to us and we need to understand this moment we need to recognize what's going on I want to read a lot a lot more scripture than I normally do on a Sunday morning because it's all there the other voices roaring around us if we we're hearing so many things let's make sure we hear God's voice as often and that we know what God says I want you to look with me. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3. Never been more important for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be public and powerful and and, and influential and standing as a strong fortress in this day. It's critical. What you've done by being here today is more important than you can imagine. What you've done by being here today is powerful. I want to help us understand. Now, I want you to read. We're going to read in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want you to realize that God has not been caught off guard by the, uh, the events happening in our nation today. In the world we live in. In fact, God gave us direction about how we are to respond. Let's look at this. Chapter 3 of 2 Timothy verse 1. But mark this. God said, take notice of this. Alright? There will be terrible times in the last days. Now I'm not going to stop at the end of that sentence and we're going to have an OOS me Sunday morning. We're not going to do that. We're not going to be afraid, we're not going to be fearful, we're not going to get a martyr complex and we're not going to run around like vigilantes. We're the people of God. anybody with me right now? So he said there'll be terrible times in the last days, but we're not done yet. Let's keep going. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Unfortunately, that is a window to American culture today in too many places. And that is... Shocking enough, but let me remind you that God said, I know what it's going to be like. It didn't catch God off guard. He doesn't condone it. It's not His will, but He wants you to know, I'm still God. But then maybe the most shocking thing is not that list, it's the sentence that follows it. Because this is what really defines what our generation is wrestling with. Because we have that list of ungodly things, and then we read, having a form of godliness. What in the world? That's the shock effect right there. And what we see today is that men and women desperately want to do their own thing and go their own way and have no absolute truth. But the strange thing today is that from every angle people are grasping to somehow say, it's okay with God. It's okay with God. You know, maybe... And I'll walk you through this today. Our greatest challenge is to understand what the love of God really means. Maybe our challenge to understand what truth really means. And so see, here's this list of things that we say, oh my goodness. But then the thing that should put your radar up is that they say having a form of godliness. Seeking to cover themselves with the name of God. But notice the difference. This will be the difference. And it will continue to be the difference. And it will be the signifying, uh, identifying mark as we go forward in this culture we're in today. Here's the difference. But denying its power. But denying its power. And so what I want to show you today as we live in this culture as men and women of God, we, we are not running from one extreme to the other. We are marching a straight, deliberate path based on the Word of God. And the thing that will distinguish the church as we go forward is not vigilantism or compromise, either one of those extremes. But the thing that will distinguish, hear me today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the evident, present power of Almighty God in the lives of His church as we gather together. Well, you see, and I'll illustrate this as we go on and remember these verses, our distinguishing mark in this time. Will be the power of God. The presence of God. Pastor, what does that look like? We're, we're going to see this as we go on. So let's, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're, we're in the neighborhood here. Let's go to 1 Timothy 3. And I want you to look at verse 15. I want you to see who we are. We, we are a tangible. The. Pardon me. Not a. The. The tangible. Picture. Touchable. Visible. Physical. Representation of the kingdom of God on this earth. Now, we, I I want you to see, again, we're going to read a lot of scripture. 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. If I am delayed, Paul's talking to Timothy, his young spiritual protege. He was mentoring, discipling Timothy, raising him up as a minister of the gospel. He says, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Look, what is God's household? Look, which is the church? What is the church? The church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. The church is what? The pillar and the foundation of the truth. We did not write the truth. Jesus is the truth. The word of God is the truth. But we're the pillar and the foundation of the truth. We are a visible, solid, dependable, lifting up, holding up, standing for, establishing the word of almighty God in our generation. Well, the pillar and the foundation of truth, we hold truth forth. We stand for truth. Like pillars in a great building, we stand for truth. I, I, it's interesting and it's, it's common now because it's the, it's the mantra of people that, that don't want truth. Someone will say to me, well, Pastor Sawyer, you, you have no right to tell me that Jesus is the only way. And I said, you're right, I don't. But Jesus said that, not me. And I have the right to repeat what he said. And so it happens. People always want to bring this to the human level. They want to bring it you or me. Who are you? Who am I? Who are you? It's not about you or me. It's about him. And we're the pillar of truth. He's truth. And we hold truth up by how we live, by what we say, by what we do, by standing together in this place today. We said we believe there is an almighty God. We held up a communion cup and said, the blood of Jesus has not lost his power. It reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley. The blood of Jesus still works today. We made that statement by coming in this room and having communion today and remembering what he did for us. And remembering that He's coming back someday. This culture needs what we did today. This generation needs what we're doing here corporately representing God. We're the pillar and the foundation of truth. That's what we do. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. I, I'm not going to read a verse every two minutes, but I, I've got a lot of Scripture. Because I want you to see what does God say. What does the Word of God say? So, so uh, Paul's telling... Timothy, you, 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 uh, things are gonna get bad in the last days. And, but he said it, and I, I didn't read the rest. I, I'd love for you to go ahead and read the rest of that 2nd Timothy chapter 3. I want you to get this. This is what he told Timothy. He said, be instant. Listen. Be instant. In season. And out of season. Preach the gospel. He said, you know the holy scriptures that have been taught you. Don't waver from that. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Proclaim the truth. Live the truth. Make your life based on the Word of God. Church family, I make a commitment to you today. I've made it for 35 years and I say it in front of you again today. When you walk in the doors of this building to worship Almighty God, I promise you that I will never preach you anything except the truth of this Bible. I will preach this and teach this and we will not waver nor change it or back up. Or compromise it. What we do will be the truth of Almighty God. You can count on one thing when you come here. We will worship God and invite His power and presence, and we will open His book and speak His word. And we'll do that. And we'll be a standard, a refuge, a a stronghold, a launching point that this place represents God and is a visible, tangible, expression of that. Paul said, Timothy, what do you do in those terrible times? He says, preach the word, be instant, be in season. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Don't try to hide or explain away the word of God. We believe the word of almighty God. And that's what we stand on. There's something unique about us though, that, that, that is so important in this big issue about how we stay the course in a culture that just seems like it's lost all of its bearings, what do we do? Ephesians four, look, look at these verses, beginning in verse 14. He, he's talking about what happens when, when, when the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers do what they're supposed to do. He's talking about what happens when the church gets connected, when we get together, when we're taught. By the leadership gifts, when we're strengthened by those gifts, when the church gets together, I want you to see this. Look at verse 14, what happens? Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men, and their deceitful scheming. You see what he says, you know what happens when we get together? When we connect, when there's connection, there's protection. We stop being blown around by every fad that comes through. And we're not little babies. We begin to grow up and become men and women of God. We need to be together to make that happen, he says. But let's keep reading because what I really want you to see, look at verse 15. Instead, instead of what? Instead of being blown around by any wind of doctrine. Instead of being spiritual babies that, that can't stand for truth. When we get together and connect, he says, what happens instead? Verse 15. How we do what? We speak. We speak what the how that's who we are that makes us different that's what this is all about instead speaking the truth in love what happens when we do that we will in all things grow up in him who is the head that is Christ for him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work this is a we thing not a me thing we're better together than we are apart. The, the, the sum of the parts somehow is not as great as the total of when we all get together. It's not just one and one and one. It's multiplied. It's something greater when we get here. But the Bible says that the significant thing we do about truth is we speak the truth in love. We, we, we are here doing that. And we're His representation, His Church. We, we become evidence. We become the body of Christ. See, let, let me say something. The church in Western civilization, listen to this, has made a big mistake and how they deal with two words personal and private. The Western church has confused personal and private. My faith in Christ, your faith in Christ, my decision. To accept Christ as my Savior is a very personal decision. Everybody has to make their own decision to accept Christ. It's personal. There's nothing more personal. In fact, we, we don't call Christianity a religion. It's a relationship. And, and I always put this word with it. It's not only a relationship. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. However, we confuse personal and private. Although my relationship with Jesus is personal, that means it's one-on-one. That means you can't do it for me. It means God has no grandchildren. He's got kids, but he doesn't have any grandkids. In other words, you can't get there through mama and daddy. You've got to make your choice. It's personal. But it's not private. There's a difference in those things. My faith is very personal, but my faith isn't private. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not intimidated to be the pillar and the foundation of truth. I'm not going to shift and change because of what happens around me. I'm not going to have a personal faith in the God that saved my life and be afraid to stand for Him when I'm in a public setting. I don't have to run up and down the hallways of my work shouting on a megaphone. I don't have to bring the family Bible and beat people into church. I don't have to do that. I don't have to act like Aunt Esther or the church lady. But my faith is not private. And the Bible doesn't tell me that it is. And no matter what laws and legislation and intimidation and persecution says to the church, you better keep that to yourself. You better put that in a Sunday. You better take that to your house. I'm here to tell you that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the only hope of this generation. And it is not private. It is who we are. It is what we do. It is how we live. And we aren't going away. See, we need to get together so that we're encouraged in the midst of of, of swimming upstream all week against culture. I've got good news for you. Now we're going to put some Holy Spirit power in your tank so you can do it again this week and bring somebody to heaven with you along the way. See, I taught you that Scripture says that when we gather together like this, God is pleased. It's his plan. And so he affirms and confirms the gathering of his people. He said, if just two or three get together, he says, there I am in the midst of them. We read in Psalm 22 that God inhabits the praise of his people. Oh. When we get together and begin to praise him, God says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to step in that place. When we come together in his name, God steps in this place. We're called the household of faith is built together to create a dwelling That's spiritual, not physical, a dwelling where God lives by spirit. So have you ever thought about this? You and I as believers carry God's presence inside of us. We walk with him. He goes with us everywhere we go. Watch this. But when we get together, God manifests himself in our presence. It's not only the God in us. Listen, it's God among us. So what about the folks that don't know Jesus? God doesn't live in them. They don't walk in the presence of God. Listen. But when they come in our midst and we're worshiping God Almighty, the manifested presence of God is now available to the person who doesn't know who God is. And because we got together and God met with us, now here's a place where people can come and walk in and look and say, I don't know what that was, but something happened to me today. I came in the presence of God today. God touched me today. Why? Because God said he shows up. When we show up and we create an environment, an encounter for men and women to meet Christ. Now, notice what we said. We speak the truth in love. Now, watch. This is where we've gotten confused. Speak the truth in love. Jesus was asked or Jesus asked um, a young man that came to him. He said, "Uh, you tell me, what, what does the word say? The rich ruler. And he said, well, I would say this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. He said, you got it. Then he said, and what? Love your neighbor like you love who? Yourself. Come on, now, let's be honest. You know you love some me. Come on, tell the truth. I'll say it again. You know you love some me. You know you do. Don't look at me like that. You feed me. You clothe me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. You're me. You, you take care of me. Huh, come on. How many How many say, I take care of myself? You watch out for yourself. Come on. All right. So that's the measure of how we're to love other people. Now, this is what happens to us. Watch me. If we don't know truth, if we don't understand the word, if we don't know who we are, we say, well, Jesus said to love everybody. So, so well, I've got to love everybody. That means I can't disagree with anyone. It means I just got to love everybody. And and, and that's, you know, that's just just what we do. We're Christians. Wait a minute. We, We love people. But there's a priority for us. We love him first. And I love you next. So when I make a decision in my life about who I'm going to please, he's first. You're second. I love you, but I love him first. I love you, but I love him best. I love you but I love him more I love you and I'm going to be nice to you and kind to you and share the gospel with you I'm not going to hate on you I'm not going to be mean and critical and horrible but I want you to understand something if I have to choose between you and God you're, you're gone <laughs> you, you need to understand something if it's making you happy or him happy I'm going to make him happy you're telling me if I've got to show I'm a Christian by agreeing with your lifestyle then i got to tell you you're not going to like me because I'm going to love him first but when I tell you the truth I'm going to love you when I tell you the truth And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do what Paul said. I want you to get this on the bottom line. The only hope for this world and this nation that we're living in is not going to be a political solution, an education solution, a media solution, an entertainment solution. I believe we ought to be salt and light in all of those. But the answer for America will not come from the White House. Or the state house. It will come from the church house. And it will be the gospel of Jesus Christ. What will change this culture? Not a vote. Not a president. Not a personality. The one thing left. The one thing left. I want to say it again. The one thing left to change the erosion of where we are is the pure, simple truth that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. And when we meet together like this, we are holding out hope. We are turning on the lights in North Alabama. We are saying, encouraging one another, hey, I'm with you. We're together in this. Let's represent Him. Let's teach our children the Word. Let's live according to the Word. Let's put God's Word above everything else and make that our final authority. You see, to be honest, the nature of a sinner is to sin. Stop wasting your time trying to get sinners to act like Christians. You're going to frustrate them and yourself. I want you to get me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll talk about Jesus on the doorstep of hell. I'll go to the transgender national meeting, wherever that is, if they have one, and tell them about the love of Jesus. i you know, I'm a white man. I'll go preach at the Black Panther meeting if they'll let me in. I'll go tell the white boys with the sheets on about the love of God if they'll let me in. I, I, I'll go anywhere and talk about Jesus. But I want you to understand something. And what, and what we need to know and what we have to realize in this moment is that when we speak truth, it is to honor Christ and to then share that incredible love with the people around us. We're not intimidated. We're not going to change it or shift it or acquiesce to it. The, the, the holy hope is that we present Jesus Christ. This is who we are. It's how Jesus did it. Watch this. In John 8, we refer to this several times. It's so clear and powerful. A woman was caught in the very act of adultery. How embarrassing and how horrible. Always wonder about that whole setup. It's how did those guys catch her in the act doing that? What were they, Peep and Toms? Voyeurs? What was their problem? I don't know. They brought her through at the feet of Jesus. And it wasn't because they cared about that lady. She was a pawn. They wanted to kill her. They didn't care about her. She was supposed to die. But this whole thing was a setup to catch Jesus. To embarrass him. To see did he really believe truth. See, they had truth without love. They had half-truth. Listen, they had truth without the power of God. So they come and they throw her at his feet and say, hey, the law says we stone her to death. What do you say, Mr. Jesus? That's our culture. That's what they're doing to us today right now. They're throwing it in our faith. Oh, you say you love. Okay, boom. Show us how you love us. You say you're kind. Boom. Be kind. Here she is, Mr. Jesus. What are you going to do with her? He said, well, let's start with you. Boy, they hate that. Let's start with you guys. All you rockheads. Let's start with you. So here's what we're going to do. The law says kill her, kill her. And, and here's what we do. You, you, whoever's without sin, you throw the first stone and get, get it started. Do what? I said, the one without sin, you throw the first one, okay? Now there's something about being in the presence of Jesus. Something about the Holy Spirit. Something about the reality of Jesus where lying is not as good an option as it is in other places. You understand what I'm saying? Lying suddenly doesn't seem to be as convenient as it is in other places. So he says, all right, anybody without sin, get it started. And One by one, they leave. And then Jesus looks at her, and he says, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're all gone, Lord. He said, neither do I accuse you. Now, that's where the church, unfortunately, too often, and there's plenty of great Bible preaching churches, I sure don't believe we're the only one. Thank God for it. Amen? Any church you go to and they tell you they're the only one that's right, they're wrong. You heard it from me. You can quote me on that. Okay? You go to church and they tell you they're the only one that got it right, I can promise you they got it wrong. Because God's bigger than any one of us and bigger than any local church. We're not the church. We're a part of the church, and I'm really glad to be on board. I'm glad to be part of. But too often today, see, we've lost our focus. You know why? We backed off truth. We walked off truth. We said, "Well, yeah, truth isn't all. Yeah, truth is always truth." Listen, four and four will be eight till the world falls apart. Okay. I know we just give participation trophies away now. (laughs) But they keep score for a reason. And I don't like to lose. But if they had 10 and I had 8, I lost. Don't pacify me and give me the same trophy they got. They beat me. And if I'm a really good athlete, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back and say, excuse me, doggone it. I'm going to work myself And next time I play them, I'm going to beat them. But if we all get a participation trophy, who cares? And that's what's happened to church. We just get a participation trophy. Do you tell the truth? Sort of. We're the pillar and the foundation of truth some days. We're going to tell the truth on Sunday. So what happens to us? We get in this place and we put periods where Jesus is not through. And, and, and so he says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. And he said, well, I don't accuse you either. And that's where everybody wants to stop now. Boom, that's it. See, I'm okay, you're okay. You know, uh, you're wrong, I'm wrong, we're all wrong, nobody's right. But that's not where it stopped. What a period in that sentence. John chapter 8. He said, okay, so I forgive you. He said, hey, hey, before you go. I love what the NIV says, ma'am, leave your life of sin. Remember what I read to you in 2 Timothy 3? All those things. And he said they have a form of godliness. But what do they deny? The power of God. So you don't need any power to say, I'm okay, you're okay. You don't need any power to preach a half gospel. You don't need any power to just say, well, who can say who's wrong and who can say who's right? Nobody knows. You don't need any power. But if you hold on to truth, And truth says Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by Him. And you love somebody enough to tell them that with a smile on your face and your heart reaching out and you're ready to pray with Him. Then you get the next part because He looked at that woman and said, I know where you've been and I know what you've done, but I have the power to take you where you've never been before. Leave your life of sin. And that's who we are. That's who we are. And we make no apologies. We love you. We don't judge you. We don't say we're better than you. We once were lost, but now we're found. We once were blind, but now we see. Jesus paid it all. But I want you to know, I refuse to pour the water of compromise in the communion cup of the blood of Jesus and tell you that you don't need what the Bible says you need. It's Him and Him alone. That's who we are. We speak the truth and love. And when we do, the power of God shows up. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, man, I'm glad you're here. Oh, I'm glad you're here. You're not an interruption. You're the main event. You're not a problem. You're the guest. Because I want you to know. That you're in a room of people that once were lost, didn't know Him. And we didn't earn our way in. We didn't buy our way in. We didn't work our way in. And we're no different or better than you. Except the difference is, Jesus forgave us. And with His power said, leave your life of sin. And He changed us from the inside out. You know who we are here today? You know why it's important we come? Because there are a lot of people who are just like we were. Here's what we can tell you. We're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. (laughs) We found it. We found Him. We were lost and we found Him. We, We had nothing to stand on. But Jesus, Jesus changed our life. I want to end with this. There was a moment in the life of the great prophet Elijah. Where political correctness had about put him under, he was tired. The king hated him. The queen hated him. The queen said, "If I get my hands on that boy, I'll kill him." Isn't it funny about us? He had just gone on mount, on the mountain and prayed and broken a three-year drought. <laughs> right before that, he had prayed and fire had fallen from heaven. See, you got to get this, guys. The greatness of God's inside these earthen vessels, the Bible say. We carry this treasure around in this stinking humanity. But he's changing us. We're not where we started. Not yet where we're going to be, right? So Elijah has this incredible moment. And then the queen, because of the false prophets that were slain on that fiery let's show who's got it moment, she said, I'm going to kill you. And oh Elijah, that had just come out of one of the greatest moments of his life, takes off running. Goes out in the desert. Said he crawled up under a broom tree. I don't know what a broom tree is, but he found one and got under it. Said, Oh God, just kill me. Just take me, God. God gives him the angels feed him and he goes and he finds a cave, and he gets in this cave. See about Neil's message last week. Oh, like the prophet's in the cave. Oh, God, I'm the only one left. Oh, God, I'm the only Christian left in North Alabama. God, I'm the only Christian in my family, and they're just getting worse. God, I I, I told the truth, and and, and they, they, they didn't like me because of God. I, I'm just going to get in this cave. It's just me and Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus doesn't like those pity parties. I hate to tell you that. I mean, he'll come, but it's not. What do you choose? God, I'm in this cave. And God comes, says, Elijah, are you in that cave? Yes, sir. So what do you get out of that cave? Yes, sir. He walks out. Elijah? What are you doing? Well, God, the queen and the king and political correctness and transgender bathroom and this over there and this over there and this, that, and everybody said it, and Bruce Springsteen canceled his concerts. And, 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 you know, God, I just don't know if I can handle any more of this. I just can't do it. You done, Elijah? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm done. Oh, that's enough. Elijah. Yes, sir. need to know something. There's 7,000 more haven't bowed their knee and love God just like you love Him. He said 7,000. Yeah, get up. We've got some work to do. And you know what happens when you come here on Sunday? You may have had a rough week. And this world may have pushed you and shoved you and talked in your ear and tried to compromise you. But you walk in this building and you look around and you say, Bless God. I'm not by myself. There are men and women that love Him. If they love Him, I love Him. They can do it. I can do it. If there's hundreds more in my family that are loving Jesus, I'm going to love Jesus. And we get together and we're reminded that we're not losing, we're winning, we're not going anywhere. We're the pillar and the foundation of the truth of God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? We will tell the truth and God will back up his word and we will love those who hate us and pray for those who despite us and bless those who curse us and preach the gospel of Jesus because that alone will save this nation, this generation from where it goes. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand together right now.